Hey folks, I'm Josh Packard. I'm the Vice President of Strategy here at NCEA. But more importantly for this podcast, I'm 45 years old and married with a 13-year-old son, and my wife also works outside of the house. And I used to be a teacher, well, a college professor. Um, I don't think I could have done the whole K-12 classroom thing. I'm not cut out for it. All of this is relevant. You might be wondering why, but I'm telling you it's all relevant um, because today we're going to be talking about work-life balance. How do you find that optimum space where you get to do important and meaningful work like teach, all the things that you do as educators, and also have free time to spend with your family or on hobbies, spiritual formation, or maybe just napping? Some some of you may volunteer in your community, but teaching is kind of like volunteering, right? Uh, so in order to help me explore this topic, I'm joined today by two of my colleagues, Beth and Karen, who have both been educators in Catholic schools. And together, we're coming at this from three very different stages of life, but we've all sort of been there, done that. You know what I mean? Um, and we've had to find our way through these various stages of life um, where we have these intense jobs as teachers and educators and trying not to burn out. The work is really important, but so is um, so is being able to be true to who you are. And our hope is that as we talk about how we've navigated work and life, you'll find something to take away from you, uh, you know, for yourself, whatever stage you happen to be in. So Beth, why don't you go ahead and get us started a little bit by introducing yourself. Um, tell us about your teaching background. You know, what, what did you first think of when I asked you to be on this podcast to talk about work-life balance? Uh, yeah. Hi, Josh. Yes. Thank you so much for having us on this podcast. I think this is a very timely podcast, and this is a conversation that we definitely have often here at NCEA. So I'm excited to share um, what I have to share. Uh, my name is Beth. I am currently a 26-year-old marketing professional, but I too used to be a teacher. I taught a few different things. I was a classroom teacher um, in third grade, fifth grade, and sixth grade uh, while I was a master's student as well. And then most recently, I was a Spanish teacher in an elementary school where I taught K-8. So I got to teach every kid in the school, which was awesome in so many ways and exhausting in so many ways. Um, but yeah, Josh, I am delighted that you asked me to be on this podcast. I think being 26, in some ways, I have the least amount of experience balancing work and life. But growing up in this day and age, in some other ways, I also have the most experience balancing the two. So I hope I can mm -hmm. shed some light on how I'm learning to leave work at work and how I fit in all of um, my hobbies and as you mentioned, Josh, mostly naps. Hey, thanks for that, Beth. But I mean, you, you say that you're 26, that you might like, you know, that the experience might be lacking, but as you sort of allude to, your generation sort of invented like gig work and side hustles. And it's not like you just had to, you know, it's not I, like, I, I think of myself, like I had to wait until I had kids before work-life balance became a thing, but y'all have been sort of dealing with work-life balance like from the beginning, huh? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, even in college, as I mentioned, I was teaching while I was a student and I was doing a lot of different things. I, I don't have a family quite yet, so I haven't gotten to that part of work-life balance, but especially with COVID now um, and the idea that everyone really is bringing work home, there's no separation between where they sleep and where they work. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think we, we do have a bit of experience in that realm for sure. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are in that same boat. And Karen, you're at NCEA now, but you were also uh, a school educator and administrator. So please let our listeners know more about those roles that you held and anything else that you'd like. And if, maybe talk a little bit about like what work-life balance meant for you um, as an educator and what it means for you now. Sure. Thank you very much. It's 
funny because, um, believe it or not, I am older than both of your ages combined. And so <laughs> I had a sense that that was the case, but I did do the math just a minute ago. And it's like, yes, I am older than both of you combined. And so I, kind, I know that we are Catholic school educators and there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but we're fortunate that we do have the ability to go back and look at the Bible. And even in Genesis, um, God, on the seventh day, God had completed the work he had been doing. He rested on the seventh day after all the work he had been doing. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on that day he rested after all his work of creating. And I think that it's really important that this biblical reference could be construed as a first step to keeping work-life balance in a better perspective. Um, I got married when I was 18 and the concept of work-life balance um, was never even a concept. I, I got out of college, um, there were no teaching jobs. I was a jack-in-the-box manager making double what I would have been making as a teacher, and I was a teacher. I had 55 teenagers running a million and a half dollar a year um, restaurant at that time. So they may not have called it teaching, but I was teaching. And mm -hmm. then um, I prayed because I became a mom, and it was impossible, impossible to do that job at the capacity that I felt was important for my family um, and for my husband and my daughter. And so I prayed to God to find some way to get out of that job. And the next week, my husband got promoted um, and there were no jack in the boxes there. So I had the option of finding another way to have a work-life balance. And what happened was, what happened was it was incredible because I became the director of the child care center. That way I could be the mom. I mm -hmm. could use my work experience. I could use my education experience. And I could have that ability to have my work and my life work together. And then, um, then I enrolled my children in Catholic school. I got so involved with parents clubs, school board, all of the fundraisers and the activities and the scouts and, and, and church. And I just thought, this isn't working for me. I am not doing the type of job that I wanted to do with anything. And so at that point, I had to learn to have balance in my life and say no to some things and say no to some things and really, really, um, make a very important decisions as what I would do to keep that work-life balance. And then I became the principal of that school and the superintendent. And I had to, again, reevaluate my work-life balance. Now my children are grown. Um, I'm a grandmother. I'm a widow. Um, and so I'm also now working at NCEA and this job does really give me an incredible opportunity to have the concept of work-life balance. I, I can ski, I can garden, I can 
um, learn, I can participate, I can travel, I can do the rosary, I can pray, I can walk. And so these are things that um, I think are um, really indicative of having a really good work-life balance. And I'm very grateful for that now. But even at NCEA, um, at NCEA, we meet every single day at noon Eastern time to pray and to collaborate. And so I think that's so important. And then when I look back um, during the life of women in the eighties and nineties who were moms and mother, who are mothers and wives and everything else, there was a concept of um, it's the quality, not the quantity. And mm -hmm. I respectfully disagree with that. Um, you need to have those small times to just be with your children, be with your husband, be with yourself. And mm -hmm. so I'm really grateful for that work-life balance. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, I, I want to come back to this, what you said about saying no to some things, because I think that's a really important strategy for people to hear, especially from, you know, that, that, like you can accomplish things in your career and say no at the same time. Sometimes I feel like we it, it feels like a choice. Like I, if I want to get ahead of my career, I can't say no. Um, so I want to come back to that. But first of all, we may have to arm wrestle, Karen, because I grew up in a McDonald's family. My parents were franchise owners of uh, several stores in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So we may have to, we have to fight over that. Uh, so Beth, Karen was just talking about how, you know, we the, this, the power of saying no, which I think is, as I was saying, is like it's easier in retrospect. And I certainly felt this as a professor. I mean, there's all kinds of opportunities that come your way if you're looking for them. And it's like you, you feel like you have to take advantage of all of them. I mean, at this early stage in your career, have you felt that same too? Or, or are you just like, no, I'm happy to say no to all kinds of things? <laughs> um, I definitely think it's a mix of both. Um, learning to say no is definitely something that I am still learning how to do and struggling to do sometimes. Um, other times though, it is a bit easier if, you know, you're having a good day and your ego's not getting in the way, then sometimes it is a bit easier just to say no. But at the same time, if, if you're in a profession that you love, it does get easy to say yes, because you're excited about everything, right? right? And, and you yeah. want to be doing it and you are excited about it. And you don't feel so worried about burnout because you're like, Oh, you know, I'm 26 and it's fine. And I, you know, I'll make it. Um, but you do want to set those, those standards and boundaries for yourself right now. Right. Like before you have the family and before you have the 20 years of experience and the, the team of 10 that you're managing and things like that. Right. So even though it does, it doesn't feel quite overwhelming with the amount of things that I have to say yes or no to, I think definitely it's a, it's a good time now to start learning those boundaries. So I definitely do try to say no as often as possible without uh, feeling the guilt of saying no, because I think sure. the guilt and, and the, and the shame almost of, Oh, I should be doing more is what gets to me. Well, it was, well, I remember very distinctly when I first, when I got my first job um, thinking that like, you know, I need to be really protective of my time and, and, and then like something clicked for me early on. I was like, this is, I'm going to go the whole opposite direction. Like I'm actually not like, I'm in a stage right now, pre-kids, like, you know, we just moved to this new city. I didn't have a lot of um, like friends or hobbies or other things. Like I'm just gonna say yes to everything. Like I, I literally just said yes to everything for at least a solid year, year and a half. And it was such a great decision because what it meant was that by the time I got to a point where I needed to start saying no, I had enough experience to know what to say no to. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like finding that work-life balance for me was like, it, it was key that I had said yes to so many things so early on. I mean, Karen, what, what, when you were talking about how you learned how to say no, what was that? What was that like for you? Again, it was just a matter of setting my priorities um, and mm-hmm. realizing that I am a wife, I am a mother and I am a professional. And, um, and while this is a nice opportunity I really need to prioritize. And I kind of really loved what Beth said when she added that having a job that you love um, really makes it much easier to give it that, you know, 110%. I think that is for me, the key is I, am I doing something that I really truly believe in that I really truly love that I really value and that um, is good for me as well as good for um, everyone else with whom I interact. And that is the big key to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, even when I've managed teams of people, you know, people talk about, you know, like, well, let's make sure we're not asking people to work after hours or off hours. I'm like, hold on. Like, people are, you know, these are adults. Like they can make their own choices about it. I've loved other jobs that I've had. And like, I, I wouldn't want somebody telling me I couldn't work at night if I have a great idea or on the weekend if I'm just really fired up about something or these are important. I feel like I've had, I've been fortunate enough to have really important jobs, like not important, like for me and my career, but I mean like God's work, like important for the world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's what work-life balance means. Yeah. And and God's work is not in the nine to five usually. So sometimes sometimes you're working outside of that. (laughs) Well, I'd ask you also, so in, in preparation for today, I'd ask you all to come with a question because we've got such a wealth of knowledge and experience here on this podcast. And um, so I'm really curious about what questions about work-life balance you have. And maybe Beth, you can get us get us going here. What, what question do you have? And uh, I'll, you know, I'll do my best to answer in less than 10 seconds and let Karen really run with it here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Josh, for the, for the chance. Um, yeah, I, was, I wanted to ask you guys with your years of experience about goal setting and kind of what that looks like in both your professional life and your personal life. I feel like at this age, I'm just coming out of my master's degree. I'm a young professional and I have so many professional goals um, mm. and I have personal goals too, but it's easy to let them fall to the wayside, right? Because the career goals are so measurable. Um, and I was just kind of wondering what that goal setting kind of looks like for you guys long-term, short-term, and how do you balance those? Go for it, Karen. Uh, I really didn't really make a lot of goals. I have always trusted God to put me in the right place at the right time. And when I look back on my career, the dots are so clearly (laughs) there. And it's just like, trust, have faith. God will put you exactly where you are meant to be at the time. And so... I didn't really set a lot of goals, um, really. I More yeah. as a mother, I had goals for my family and goals for my children, and but not really um, goals for me personally. It was just more about um, my involvement with my ministry, which is mm. Catholic education. I, I would completely concur with that. I mean, I've got, I, I remember um, making like a bucket list of like things I wanted to do. 
but trying to intentionally keep the timeline part out of it so I could be more yeah. open to like where God needed me to be. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't like speaking for myself. I'm not sure that I, I don't know that I've always been faithful. Who knows if I've gotten it right, but I've always tried to listen <laughs> you know, to that thing. And along the way, you know, what happened is like most of the, almost all the things on the bucket list got checked off. Like, you know, there were, and they were, some of them were just like, you know, these are not earth shattering things. It was like, I wanted to get as an academic, like I wanted to get published in this journal or, you know, I, I really wanted to, you know, be nominated for or win a diversity and teaching award in my classroom and, you know, and on and on. There's just a number of those kinds of things, but it wasn't like, I want to do this by age 30 and I want to do this by age 33 or anything because I sort of felt like the timeline wasn't always up to me. Okay. So take the timelines off my goals. Got it. I can do that. <laughs> but you know, I don't know if y'all do this. Like I, one of the things that helped me so much was figuring out when I was like, when I'm at my most productive. And yes. so I actually have like, I have more structure to my days than I do to mm -hmm. my life. You know, like, so a lot of people wake up and go work out first thing in the morning if they exercise. But for me, it's just a total, like, total opposite. I mean, if I work out first thing in the morning, the rest of the day is shot for me. And so, like, I'll, I'll wake up early and work and then sort of, like, my creative energy sort of ebbs throughout. But once I figured that out and I started restructuring my day, I realized, like, wow, I can do so much more here. Beth, can I add one more thing? For myself, I think it would have been... <sighs> so much more helpful for me as a human being um, to live within my means because that would allow me not to f actually go into panic when life, the real realities of life hit, like a job loss or the illness of a child or the car breaks down. And so I think as terms of goal setting, it's very helpful to live within your means. And mm -hmm. that way those things will not be so devastating and add such a great deal of stress. Thank you guys. Those are, are good answers. Definitely something that I can start incorporating into my, my goals and days and things like that, Karen. I think your advice is definitely the advice of a sage woman. So I'm very happy to have that. Hey, Karen's a say. Hey, what about me? You well, you also <laughs> are a sage woman, Josh. <laughs> um, yes, I, I agree. That was it was super useful, Karen. To even, just to hear you talking about even the living within your means part at the end there was something that's it's well well noted. But Karen, you also had questions. So what 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 have you got for us? Sure. One of the biggest changes in my life um, time and which I find very difficult in juggling is how, what, when do you turn off the technology? In the past, if there was a question from a parent or teacher in our role as educators, they'd leave a message on the phone at work or make an appointment through the secretary mm -hmm. to talk to you. After that, we had to go to the computer to work to check our emails, but now our cell phones fit in our hand pocket all the time and we're connected and distracted constantly. Um, emails, texts, calls, teams, social media, games, shopping, videos, news, etc. How do you find work-life balance with this, especially with all the pop-ups too that constantly yeah. take your attention away? I love the idea of Karen like shopping on Amazon on her phone while she's playing a video game and talking to someone. <laughs> <laughs> and working at the same and time. <laughs> uh, 
Well, so here's I'll, I'll I'll take this one first if that's okay, Beth. The, um, one of the things that I decided early on, which was sort of before the technology became so intrusive, but I just wanted to give my students some predictability, and I would tell them, you know, these are the hours I'm available. This is what I'm going to grade these papers. Here's when mm-hmm. I'm going to have grades back to you. And I, like for, sometimes at the very beginning of the semester, I would be telling like I grade Monday mornings from this time to this time, um, and it it ended up being, you know, a practice that I carried throughout the entirety of, well, even, even still today to a certain extent. And what that did, what on the downside, what it meant is that like, if I said I was going to be you know available during that time, I had to be available during that time. And if I said I was going to have grades uploaded by a certain time and I had to have grades uploaded by a certain time, but what the trade-off was on the benefit side is that it meant that I never felt bad about just shutting off my notifications. I mean, I use the setting on my phone to, you know, where you can set you know, times of the day to actually get notifications or not get them. And I, I use that pretty religiously um, to, to, you know, to make sure that I am not constantly bombarded by the dings and the red bubbles and, you know, the asks. Cause I don't, I don't think, our, especially even like our colleagues, like sometimes I just need to ask a question. I don't need it. I need it off of my plate, but I don't need it on to yours. You know what I mean? Like I don't need an answer right now. I just mm. need to get it off of my workflow. And so mm-hmm. having that sense of structure and, and communicating it well to the people around me was was incredibly helpful. What about you, Beth? Yeah, Josh, I think you had a lot of good good points in there. Um, my top note is I'm super sacred about what notifications I let come through. I'm on Do Not Disturb quite often, um, just because of the sake of the that what you're just talking about, Josh. Right? Like I know a lot of people are messaging me, and it's not because they need something back from me right away, but it's just because you know, it was their step to take and now they have to put the ball in my court. Um, And I think if the notification comes up and you feel the vibrate and you hear the ring and the adrenaline starts going, you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get back to them. I have to answer right away. And that's oftentimes not the case, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in a school setting. I think, um, especially in our Catholic schools, you know, you, you know, the people understand, right? Everyone knows that we have lives to live and and things like that. So uh, when I was a teacher, I definitely would I had two preps a day and I picked one prep to answer emails and the other prep, I would not touch emails at all. Um, So even if there were things in my inbox, I would just leave them until either the next prep or until I had, you know, time later in the afternoon. So definitely setting up those blocks of time uh, where you're going to do things and not let the notifications control when you do things, I think is the biggest, you know, kind of switch you have to make in your mind while you're getting work done. For sure. For sure. Okay. Well, I've got a question, um, and let's hear it. Josh. <laughs> my question for the two of you is, you know, inevitably things like go off track, like you get out of whack. I mean, we're, we're trying for work-life balance, and maybe we achieve it like twenty percent of the time or something. <laughs> and so sometimes you get way bogged down with work, and you're you're sort of needing to get back to the rest of your life. And then sometimes it goes the other way, frankly, where it's like, you know, you just you, sometimes I'll have a week or two that goes by where it's like I'm I'm doing my job. You know, I know I'm doing my job, but I'm not like in my job. You know, like it's a little bit too much. Or you come mm-hmm. off a vacation. And you're still sort of in vacation hangover mode for the next couple of days. So how do you all get back into, like, when things get out of whack, what strategies or what things have you done to get yourself back on track? Josh, can I start by saying that I wish it was one, you know, one day would go out of whack and then the next day I would implement (laughs) techniques to get back on track. That is not the case for me. I usually wait until every day is out of whack before I'm like, oh, wait, I got to get back. I got to get things back on track again. Um, yeah, this is definitely something I'm definitely still working on. Um, I love lists, you know, oftentimes writing things down definitely helps. And then I'll try to, 
I love, I don't know if you guys know the Pomodoro technique, but I love that just doing 25 minutes of work and then a five minute break or even 50 minutes of work, 10 minute break. Um, and you'd be surprised how much you can actually get done. You know, sometimes you look at your list and you're like, oh my gosh, I'll, you know, this is never ending. But I, I do firmly believe in the, the, is it Parkinson's law that says the time, you know, the, the task will take all the time that you mm. give it to take, right? It'll expand to fill the time. So if you say, I have to get this done in 25 minutes, oftentimes you'll get it done in five, in 25 minutes. So that definitely helps a bit. And in five minutes for, uh, what did Karen say? Shopping and video games at the same time while listening yeah. to <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what about you, Karen? How do you get back on track? Well, I had uh, my my previous bishop, Bishop Randolph Calvo, said something that really intrigued me and I really took to heart. And he said, recreation equals recreation. And oh. so to me, that is something that I really have to keep in mind. Um, step back, get outside, go to a favorite quiet place, think, pray, listen, consider what others are facing too. And for me, as a school administrator, I began to understand this when I had to say, are the children safe? If the mm. children were safe, then most of the other things could fall into place. What's the worst that could happen after that point, right? If there was an emergency, then I needed to take care of that task right then and there. But most of the other things were better if I handled them by giving them a little bit of reflection, responding, Mm. not reacting, and um, and then to give myself time to think and respond. Um, That, to me, was an important incredibly important skill um, and, mm. and habit to begin to put into place to, to deal with those things that inevitably happen. Recreation is recreation, but embedded in there in that really great like phrase too, is this other thing of, of having a boss who understands that, oh, like, mm. you know, and like not everybody has a boss who understands that. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's excellent. I really, I really love that. Well, look, any what last thoughts here before we wrap up, Beth or Karen? Um, yeah, not really any, any, anything super insightful, but I definitely, um, you know, I definitely just wanted to share that, you know, we're not perfect, right? You know, we are humans, mistakes happen. And, you know, you definitely spend time working when you're at home and homing when you're at work and, <laughs> Just to give yourself that grace, I think that is definitely the most important thing I've I've learned thus far is just having grace with myself and patience when, you know, my mind's in one place and my body's in another, and just recentering and asking God to give you that grace as well to to get back on track. And I would just add that um, to look for the good in challenges and keep an open mind, always seeking opportunities to learn. Um, we are, again, we are faced with so many things we could never predict um, in terms of life. And Amen. in our wildest dreams, we couldn't predict some of this stuff, but keep it in focus. Mm-hmm. Always have faith that God is there with you um, and be respectful and mindful of others and also yourself. 
Yeah, that's so good. What's the old saying that like, we plan and God laughs? Like, but if you know what your priorities <laughs> are, if you know what your values are, then no matter what is coming your way, you at least know how to organize the thing that you're dealing with at that time, even if you couldn't have predicted it. That's that's really excellent. Well, thank you both so much um, for sharing. I learned. Thank you, a, Josh. I learned a ton today. I hope our listeners did too. Um, I hope that they found something that they can identify with. If you're out there and listening to this, I mm. hope you heard. I hope you heard Karen or Beth say something like, "Yes, that's exactly what I'm going through right now," um, because too often I think we don't even know like what other people are going through, and so we think we have to conform to this like dominant idea of how things should be. And like you heard Beth talking about, just giving extending grace to yourself and to others who are in this role, and I think that's a such an important concept that so many people, you know, just don't aren't, aren't fortunate enough to be in settings where. Like grace is not necessarily a value that matters in most organizations, but uh, we're lucky enough that we work in those places. Absolutely. Um, yeah. In other words, like, you know, the, the, so people are not alone. Even today I felt like, okay, this is good. Like I'm not the only weirdo out there who's experienced some of this. So anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you, Karen and Beth for, for being on this podcast. Thank you, Josh, for having us. Thank you. All right, folks, until next time, thanks for all that you do for kids, and we'll be praying for you. Today's podcast is brought to you by Catholic Faith Technologies. Connection and belonging are harder to achieve than ever, and loneliness is on the rise. So when it comes to the formation of our school and parish leaders, why do we isolate them from one another with video-based formation on Netflix-style platforms? At Catholic Faith Technologies, our mission is to support the church's mission of digital accompaniment. We offer online formation that is focused on connection driven by data and capable of delivering hybrid mentored learning experiences. If you are interested in learning more about creating opportunities for digital accompaniment in your organization, visit us at www.catholicfaithtech.com.